your host, Eric Balance, and this is the Resilient Minds Podcast. Join me as I explore the capabilities of our minds and how our X Factor can become our Y Factor. Now is our time. Welcome everybody to the Resilient Minds Podcast. I'm sitting here with an epic legend, Mr. Paul. Is it Mascheta or is it Mascheta? You know, it's, it's, I know it's Italian, but I just want to make sure. It depends on where in the in in the uh, in the world you are, but here in America we say Mascheta. Mascheta. Okay. Yeah. Sweet, bro. And, and, and it is Italian, am I right? It is. I'm Italian. I'm mostly Italian, and I got a little bit of Irish in me. I love it. I love it, man. Well, welcome to the show, brother. It's an epic. I'm I'm super grateful to have you today. And let's, you know, I, I really want to just break it down because you know you are a legend in the making, and I think you know I got to give credit where credit is due. So for those of you that don't know this man, Paul is a thought leader behind InfluenceAcademy.net. He's an American author, researcher, copywriter, salesman, and entrepreneur in the field of influence and persuasion. He was born in New York City, and he currently resides with his wife and two children right now. So Paul's passion and desire to know more about this process of influence and gaining compliance from others began at an early age when he realized that he could often change the outcome of life circumstances simply because of his ability to persuade others. In elementary school, he was often known as the class clown that could talk his way out of everything. And in his late teenage years, he began working in numerous sales positions on Wall Street and learned firsthand how powerful one's ability to influence others truly is. He quit the ranks various industries and solidified his position as a true sales leader. And through his track record and winning countless awards, most of them first place, of course, like, duh, right? <laughs> In sales contests where he was pitted against hundreds of other colleagues. Now, after increasing revenue lines for numerous companies, you know, Paul took on this massive new career as a copywriter in the field of none other than internet marketing and produce sales copy that's generated millions of dollars in revenue. You know, for clients such as Steve Jones, Dr. Joe Vitale, Frank Mangiano, Kristen Howe, Dr. Robert Anthony and Mike Littman. Aside from that and the value that he provides his clients, Paul spent so much time researching and writing about influence and persuasion and educating others on the importance of becoming a master of both. So you guys are in for a treat. But none other, this, this gentleman, he also enjoys teaching and training Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So be careful. And he loves to cook, of course, because he's Italian. Right? <laughs> Welcome, right. brother. Absolutely. I love Thank it, you. Dude. Thank you for having me, man. Happy to be here. Likewise, bro. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to connect. And, you know, I love always connecting with new people that I've never actually met prior to the show because then it's like it feels like we just we, ge we genuinely get to build rapport on the call and or, sorry on the podcast on the, on the show while we get to you know really impact and change people's perception lives influence share our stories and it becomes just so much fun and I think that I remember even at the beginning of uh, 
um, you know, my podcast journey, I thought I needed to like get to know everybody like before they ever come on the show. And I was like, no, that's the, that's, that's the whole authentic and, and super amazing part about getting to know each other. And I think that that becomes like a, a true opportunity. Um, what we can like transition that into our daily lives or share with people of how they can actually catapult their own, uh, um, opportunities in life. So one thing I always share, Paul, you know, pivoting yep. a little bit from that is, the resilience, right, behind our, our, our X factor and how our experience really is our X factor, right? And how that experience has allowed us to continue to catapult ourselves into our purpose, into our whys and how we're able to um, deliver our why to the world. So you are, my question you are speaking this, my language. You're speaking my language. <laughs> Yeah, I love it, brother. <laughs> uh, I love it, bro. So, so here, and I would love to hear from you because you know, you, you your influence, persuasion, um, you know, this ability to connect with people in deep um, rapport is super important to, to do that. Am I right when you're when you're talking about influence? Um, in my opinion, it's the most valuable. Uh, it's the ba- most valuable skill set that anybody can develop whether they're interested in influence and persuasion or they're not, because in my opinion, it's that X factor that magnifies all of the other good stuff about you. So you could be smart, talented, educated, experienced, uh, but you got to know how to articulate that. You have to know how to demonstrate that um, effectively through the power of effective communication. I, and, and I totally love that because it's, and, and, and I love that, you know, just briefly from your intro, you, you know, we talked a little bit about how you define and understood that at a young age. So my question is this, and I really would love for you to share, because I think that so many people look, they, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, but people look back at their experiences happen or oh shit I wish you know that happened or you know and they don't actually realize that there's so many gifts in it so to me my my thought process is this is like Paul give us like an opportunity to see you know take us back to you know what it was like like a defining moment to realize if um where you realized and you understood what was it that to take an current experience and realize that this was something that has defined me and now i gotta pursue this that i've just it's like been a download in my life to realize that this has happened for me or so yeah it, it, it happened for me not to me interesting question um and a very very well thought out good question so I had a heart attack about a year and a half ago. Uh, it was a widowmaker heart attack, which if you don't know, is the most deadliest type of survival rate if you are not in a hospital or near a hospital is less than 6%. And it's when you get a full blockage in your LAD artery. Um, I had no idea. I mean, I was in decent shape. Nothing like I've seen on your Facebook pictures, but <laughs> you know, didn't think I was like grossly overweight or anything like that. Uh, so I went to jujitsu. I was training jujitsu. I finished up my last round of sparring um, or training, and I felt very winded. Uh, my heart rate was up. I was sweating, but all this stuff is normal 
after you train something as physical as jujitsu. Um, and so I just was telling myself, well, you know, I'm just winded right now. I'll feel better once I get outside. I got outside. I didn't feel better. I got in my car. I was driving the windows down. I didn't feel better. I was like, okay, I got to take a shower. Then I'll feel better. I didn't feel better after a shower. So I literally took a shower and I put on my basketball shorts and my shirt, like what I wear to go to bed. And I was like, let me take a nap. If I take a nap, I'll feel better. And as I was laying down to take the nap, my phone started ringing and it was my wife. Now this is the first day of school. This is September, 2019, first day of school for my kids, my son, first day of high school. I think that's why I had the heart attack, to be honest with you, because I was so nervous for him. Um, <laughs> my wife calls me and she's like, oh, you know, this woman at my job, her son goes to the same high school as our son, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Ange, I got to get off the phone. She's like, what's the matter? I'm like, I don't know. I don't feel good, but I can't talk right now. So she's like, you don't sound right. What do you mean something's wrong? I said, I don't know. I got this feeling in my chest. She goes, I'm calling 911. Now my wife isn't even home. She's on her coffee break with her friends at work. I'm like, okay. She calls 911. And within 10 minutes of the paramedics being there, I went into cardiac arrest, had to be shot, had to be taken to the hospital had to have a stent put in. And, and the moral of the story is that this was something that I wasn't even taking seriously. So the decision, if I would have went to sleep, I would have never woken up. So the fact that wow. my wife made this phone call when she did without even seeing me, seeing my physical state, um, it was a big eye opener, you know, for me to say the least. Um, and that moment, it's, it's hard to explain, but for as long as I've been doing what I've been doing in business, it was that moment that really opened my eyes and let me take true ownership over it. Um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. So when it comes to influence, persuasion, communication, I, now that that's happened to me, when I look back in retrospect, I realize that I've, I've always kind of been destined to be on this path. Um, and it happened in ways that at the time I really didn't, look at as maybe the ways that were defining that path. So I grew up as an only child, always wanted attention, which is why I always got in trouble in school. When I was 15 years old, my, my father, my father was an entrepreneur his whole life. He switched businesses at 50 years old, took a big risk. It didn't work out. He fell into a state of depression, which led to a multiple nervous breakdowns over finances. I graduate high school. I'm like, I don't want that to happen to me. I need to figure out a way to make a lot of money. My buddy presents this job to me on Wall Street. He's like, all you got to do is they give you these stacks of names of people. You call them up. You get them to buy stuff over the phone. Some guys are making $20,000, $50,000 a month. I'm like, sign me up. So he signs me. I get signed up. I work there. And it didn't take long for me to realize that this was a completely illegal operation. It's like what you see in the Wolf of Wall Street or in the movie Boiler Room to a smaller degree, complete and utter uh, took me like maybe three or four days to figure that out. But I was good at it. I was good at, I'm not going to say I was good at the bad part of it, but I was good at getting people on the phone, getting past their resistance, overcoming their objections, blah, blah, blah. So after a few months of doing this, I'm like, you know what? What am I doing? Like, this is like, I'm starting my life out the wrong way. 
right? This is completely illegal. People are going to lose money. I wasn't sure how they were going to lose money, like how the process happened, but I'm like, this is bad. So I quit. I get a regular job and I'm like, I'll figure out what I want to do with my life as I go. A year and a half later, the FBI comes to me and they're like, Hey, remember that place you worked at two years ago? Well, listen, we know you quit for the right reasons. We know you didn't work there for a long time, but we're building a case against your former boss who happened to be a friend of mine. And he said, we want you, we're building a team of witnesses and we want you to testify against him. And I said, I just can't do that. You know, where I come from, that's just not something that we do. And so basically they left me alone for about a month and my lawyer called me and he said, well, congratulations. He said, your boss, he blew trial. He's going away for about six years. And now they're prosecuting you for working there, right? So you got conspiracy to commit securities fraud and obstruction of justice because you didn't cooperate with them. So now I'm 20, 19 years old. I'm like, what are my options? He's like, well, you could go to trial, but you'd probably lose. You know, you did work there. You committed the crime. There's no way around that. And you did obstruct justice. So I'm like, what do I do? So he's like, well, you got to take what they're ready to give you. So what they were ready to give me was five months in federal prison and five months on home confinement with like an electronic bracelet around my wrist, around my uh, ankle. So I take it and I'm wind up at 20 years old, the youngest inmate on the unit in the Metropolitan Correctional Center, MCC in New York City. It's a federal prison. It's a level six maximum security federal prison. And I'm in there at 20 years old. So this is when I look back in retrospect and I'm like, all the stuff that I teach people today about human communication was so elevated and magnified in that environment. So like the first thing I teach people is awareness. Like you have to be aware of your environment. You have to be aware of your feelings, your thoughts. You have to be aware of the other person, their feelings, their thoughts, their beliefs. Most people are completely unaware when they communicate with other people. They're just waiting for the other person to shut up so they can talk. In there, right? In there, all of that stuff is magnified. Like you have to be super aware of your environment, super aware of who you trust. You have to be super cognizant of the way you carry yourself because you have to, you have to, you, you have to have this position where you, you have to let people know that you're not to be respected. Uh, you're not to be disrespected and walked over, but at the same time, you can't push it so far to the point where you're being disrespectful and now you're getting jumped or you get into a fight, you're getting stabbed, you're, God forbid, you're getting killed over something trivial or stupid. So you're constantly teetering on this fine line between you know, what you should say and what you should do. And so I got out of there and then the only jobs I could get after that were sales jobs, which coincidentally was the only thing I was ever good at anyway, because every job I took, they were like, well, we'll pay you, but you got to generate your own money. It's like, okay. So I had a bunch of sales jobs. And while I was in one of those sales jobs, my best friend started building an online business. This is 15 years ago. He said, look, I'm building this business. I need a copywriter, but I can't afford a real copywriter. You're the closest thing I have. And I didn't even know what a copywriter was at, the, at that point. I thought he meant like copywriting, like songs, like publishing type of copywriting. And he goes, no, it's just salesmanship in print. So the same way you sell face to face, I need you to write those words on pages so that, you know, I can take orders. 
So I was like, okay. So I start writing copy while I'm at my sales job um, as a side, as a kind of like a side hustle. And I started getting better at it. And as a result, he started making more money and his company started growing. Now it's a multi-million dollar company. And um, while that was happening, I started getting referrals, you know, to write copy for other people. And then the next thing I know, Eric, I'm making more money writing these sales letters for my computer than I am working the whole week at my job. So I'm like, what would happen if I took this copywriting thing like seriously, like read books on it, understood human psychology, influence, persuasion, communication, what makes people buy, how to build rapport. And so I immersed myself in that stuff for two years. I wrote over a hundred sales letters in a two year period. And really, I really got like, you want to talk about like a fast track, like, like a neuro hacking, learning one specific thing over like a, a very short period of time. It was that it was learning influence, persuasion, you know, et cetera. Two things happened to me in that process. The first one was that I got a little burnt out because I wrote tons of copy. And the second thing was that I realized that I wanted to shift from that point because I was like, well, how could I continue doing this without actually writing copy? And I was like, you know what? I pretty much documented everything I did over the past two years. What if I just taught that to people? What if I just shared all the stuff I learned? So I started my online business, Influence, uh, Influence Academy, in January of 2011. So just short of 10 years. Started wow. with one course, that two long. courses, wow. three courses. And now we're up to, you know, we're, we're, we have like 50 training courses in one capacity or another on influence, persuasion, all things human communication. Hope that story wasn't too long. Bro, I, this is amazing because, you know, uh, I love it. Like, so, you know, we could, we could talk about like the OGs, like Rich Chevron or thing, and, and you're like totally there, bro. Like, you know, like the OG, like you've been in the, in the industry for 15 years, man. And sharing knowledge, sharing brilliance and um, offering insight, you know, I, I, I always love like hearing from people that have been so much industry for such a long time, specifically now in, in the internet industry, because what allowed us to like where everything is transitioning, so many like OGs like yourself, you know, you think Jay Abraham or, or yourself or, or Rich Sheffer, like any of these great names. Mm -hmm. um, that like catapulted now because now now that brilliance can be shared so much more profoundly around the planet. And the cool thing is, is that the guys that have are, are brilliant at it, like yourself and so many others, have been doing it for past decade and there's still so much opportunity. There's still so much opportunity. And, and people, it, it makes me, it fascinates me because people, you know, even when I started, I've been, I've been in the industry like three years now, just going on three years. And I remember two years prior to that, people were telling me like, oh, the, the, the internet is flooded. Like you can't do that. Like there's way too much going on. And, and you know, here I am three years later, 
And it's beautiful to watch that because there's still so much opportunity because now it, it opens that ecosystem and the borders and the possibilities around the planet and the abundance just continues to thrive. So if you don't mind, like, because this is a super like amazing topic to touch on is like that level of abundance that's available to each and every entrepreneur whether they're a copywriter, whether they're a marketer, whether they're, you know, a coach, consultant, or, but they have some sort of value to add in the world. Why is now the best time to really jump in and in on this beautiful opportunity, especially during these kind of tumultuous times? Because now more than ever, we have two, um, in this particular time in our lives, we have access to two things that are extremely powerful uh, when it comes to building any kind of a business, but really an online business. So number one, we have access to people. Like, look, like literally you click the button and we're on a Facebook Live, like where we are communicating with other people now in a matter of seconds, right? So the technology's enabled us to do that, right? So now we have, we have the ability to add value and to share a message faster and easier than we've ever done before, right? Like when I started out, it was teleseminars. That's how you did these things. Like there was no Zoom, there was no Facebook Live. You got a bunch of guys on the phone and you know, who's got a dog barking in the background? Who's having, you know, it's, it was just, you know, it's like, that's just the way it was back in the day, you know? Um, who's my wife would be Hello. like, dinner's ready. What are you doing? <laughs> Who are you talking to? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so there's that, right? And then the other side of it is the technical aspect of it, where like I tell people, and this is not to be um, facetious or to be insulting. I tell people like, if you can't find a way to make money online today, it's, 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 it's your fault because the tools and everything you need is there. Like Shopify, like you could go create a store right now sit in front of your computer and have a store up and running created in an hour and you could be processing orders in like six hours once you get your stripe and your paypal and all that fixed up i mean it might be like a rinky dink ghetto looking site but it's there right click funnels when i started there was no click funnels it was wordpress and then you would have to and which were i still use wordpress for certain things but just from um a sales perspective like like taking orders and processing orders. It's like you used to have to like stack all of these moving parts together just to take an order. And you'd have to take, it's exactly the way Russell Brunson pitches it in his webinar when he sells uh, ClickFunnels, um, is you used to have to have all a web developer, a programmer, a graphic designer, like to get something to the point where you're ready to take an order and make money, you'd have an you'd have to go from like an idea to reality would take you like a month, two weeks, depending on content. Now it's like, you could do that in a matter of hours. So when people say things like that to me, it's the wrong time. That's them, that's, that's their inner bullshit, excuse my language, that they're projecting out on you because they want somebody else to feel the same way that they feel. They're just letting their you know, we got those, there's two sides, there's, there's two voices in here, a good one and a bad one. And it all depends on who you're going to let have the day. If you let the bad guy have the day, he's going to, he's going to take advantage of it. And so when that happens to people, 
I guess they don't want to be alone in that. So they project that out on other people. But anybody that, that thinks that, I can tell you that is not, I mean, come on, bro. We, I see like 17 year old kids. They're like, yeah, I created this little uh, side hustle. I sell baseball hats. It, you know, it does like 20 grand a month, you know, right. it's okay. You know, come on, man. The opportunity is there. So. Absolutely. And brother, like, you know, you've, you've created it. Is it, it's, it's, it's influence Academy. Influence Academy dot net and describe. So now it's that up like because it's been around for so long. Describe the process behind what it is that does and how it like generates this this powerful momentum in people's lives and how it, you're able to show up with that level of service because it's evident that you have tremendous um, integrity in the way that you want to show up in the world. And Influence Academy, my hallucination is that it's that becomes a leverage way for you to add tremendous value to the world. So do you want to describe the process behind it? Sure, absolutely. So I wanted to give people I I think that the the education of effective communication is the education that most people never receive in school, right? And the example that I give is like so in school they teach you to get smart so that you can get a job but they don't teach you how to persuade the person interviewing you to hire you, right? Or maybe you go to school to learn a trade or a skill, but then you don't really learn the skills you need to articulate how good you are at that trade or that skill. Or maybe you go to, maybe you go to school to learn a certain trade or a skill and then you open up a business because you wanna be your own boss when it comes to that, that trade or skill. So you wanna be an entrepreneur, but you don't know how to effectively influence customers to buy your stuff from you. So to me, the most important education that we all should have gotten, which is just how to talk to people the right way, nobody ever got it. And so what I try to do with my platform is I try to take everything that I've learned, you know, through the good times and the bad times, right? Like. For, the worst time in my life was when I was in prison at 20 years old. But looking back on it, I took so much from that in reading body language, assessing verbal cues, assessing, uh, you know, micro expressions in people, um, storytelling. Like that's one aspect of communication that, in my opinion, it's the most powerful, like tactic, strategy, anybody could use a storytelling. All these different facets of my life, I've always seen storytelling from the boardroom to school to prison to weddings to funerals. It's everywhere. So I, that's one that's one program I actually focused on was a program called Storytelling Blueprint, where I show people how to apply storytelling in their sales and marketing. But the rest of the academy is just basically, you know, tr trainings that people can use to develop, excuse me, to develop these skills rapport, influence and persuasion, verbal language, nonverbal language, negotiation, networking, etc. I love it, dude. And like storytelling, one thing that I want to like really touch on is that storytelling aspect, because I think that that's such a powerful way for us to share our story. And, you know, I talked about experiences and this element of, you know, pursuing that why as a result. And, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, when I was younger, I got into, um, I got into to drugs and I started using 
And same thing, I got, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't quite as long as you, five months, but I spent, you know, a month, um, you know, in Reman, in like, you know, the local Reman Center. And I, uh, I know that for me that that was like a really um, deep, dark, depressive kind of a, a, um, experience. But I don't mind sharing that I used to use drugs or, or, or be addicted to crack cocaine or all of those, that, that stuff, because that is who I am. I've become the man that I am today because as a result of those experiences and I own that shit, you know, I don't, I don't use it to hold me back. I, I share it to empower myself and others. And I think that so many people are fearing uh, that vulnerable state or that authenticity to really share their stories in a powerful way, not in a way to hold off and say, poor me, but to, and make themselves a victim because that's not useful either, but to really empower themselves to move forward. How would you share when like people are like, oh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna talk about myself. I don't wanna, um, you know, make it about me. You know, I've heard that a lot and I'm sure that you, I'm certain that you have as well. What would you tell somebody that is coming up with those kind of like thoughts or they're thinking that in that manner? So the not making it about you, um, I get that, you know, in sales, in marketing, it never really is about you, even in storytelling. People think that storytelling, when you tell a good story, that you're the hero of the story. But the reality is if you tell the story the right way, the other person becomes the yes. hero of the story. Yes. So yes. Um, it not being about you is, is fine because it's not supposed to be about you. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to use that story or that experience to impart some sort of wisdom that you gained that is, I typically tell people like the darkest stories or the craziest stories are often the best stories because they enable you, first of all, to capture attention and engage people, right? Like I could tell you a story. I could tell you a story about like how, um, for instance, like how I was able to persuade somebody in Starbucks to buy me a coffee yesterday versus telling you a prison story, right? Which one is like, oh, let me hear the jail story. I want to hear that one. Did you get beat up? Did you get jumped? You know, I want to hear all this stuff. So there's that, there's that aspect of it, right? But besides that, I think you have an ability, our experiences in life, especially the, the really drastic ones and the life altering ones, we walk away from those things with wisdom, whether we realize it or not. And it's, it's often a wisdom that's very rare. Like there's not a lot of people that can share a, a, a wis the wisdom of a 20 year old kid being in federal prison. I left out another part of that story in 2003, I, I was, driving drunk. I wasn't drinking behind the wheel, but I, I had a few drinks and then drove later on, flipped my car over, totaled my car, almost killed myself, completely broke my hip, had to learn to walk again, couldn't get another car because no insurance company would insure me. I was lucky I didn't get rearrested and locked up again. Um, so, so these things that happen in that process, I learned to walk again. I learned to find myself again. Um, it was, how I got into the fitness industry at the time. And so there's, when you can share a, a story that's very unique to you, it makes people take you more seriously. And they say, okay, maybe this guy or this girl has something to say that I should listen to. And it enables you to bring them into 
experience, just like a movie or a book, without them having to go through all the danger and all the bad parts of it that you actually had to go through. And then at the end, they can walk away with some wisdom that's about them, not about you, not about you telling the story. And and the reality is, if, if the other aspect of it is the vulnerability, is this, I got news for you. People are more interested and care more about and can relate more to the vulnerable, bad embarrassing stuff that you've went through than all the great stuff because the, the great stuff sometimes is very unrelatable like if you're trying to help somebody get from point a to point z and they're like you have to first get them to point b if i just try to take somebody to from where i started you know to where i'm at or if i just started with where i'm at now versus how i got there you know the story isn't that interesting so you have to be vulnerable. You have to look at the end of the day. It's like you said, I don't glorify what I did. I'm not proud of it. But at the end of the day, it's part of the fabric that makes up who I am today. And I can't change that. The only thing I can do is draw wisdom from it and say, what have I learned from it? And what can I pass on to other people as a result of it? Yes, fuck yes. I love it, dude. And, and that I think like when I, when I think of like what you just shared, to really that so many of us we, we 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 look at you know all of these people around the planet that think that oh they have it like they're doing such great things or you know they're they they know everything that they're doing but we all make fucking mistakes and i think that element of perfection only comes from a, like the perfection never comes it's always just that like you said that improving forever that constant and never-ending level of improvement that we're always seeking we're always in, in, endeavoring we're always willing to step into i find that so many people when they're trying or not tr trying is not but like when they're doing business or when they're doing marketing or when they're doing life they 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 get stuck so this element of perfection um, where they seek out regularly the knowledge and they struggle with the execution because they're constantly honing in the knowledge aspect and forgetting that the truth and the power and the grace and the opportunities come from execution and from, from actually making it, making it real. It, it, even if we fail, even if we fuck up, and that is a whole part that is a whole step into that vulnerability. Not now you're not just talking about it, but you're doing the vulnerable part of it. And that is where I get really empowered is like, or, or, or that is how I really like see, you know, us able to lead so much of humanity, bro, is like allowing us to step into that like regularly. And, and I can tell you like, there's so many things like I was telling you earlier about Stepping into the online world, I had no fucking clue what I was doing, <laughs> like at all. And, and and you know, I'm certain, like you said, you didn't either, right? Like you just were like, let's figure this out. And yeah. I think that is the most coolest thing is like you know we are resilient in, in in willing if you really truly believe in yourself in that psychology, in that um, essence of who you are at a core level, which is inherently a good person and, and knowing that you want to be more um, accomplish more you will be resilient enough to continue to push through so 
I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, when individuals like opposite uh, points of view from you, when they show up with opposite points of view from you, you know, how do you, how do you respond to that? Because this is something that I share with you, but like, if somebody was like, you know, showing like, listen, no, I, I like fuck that. I'm not putting, you know, you know, crap out of there. And, and obviously that's not what we're talking about, but like people's perception is that it needs to be perfect. What would you, what would you say to that? What would I say to somebody who tells me that they won't put it out until they're perfect, until it's perfect? I'm just trying to make sure I understand that. Have like an op- yeah, of course, my apologies. So if, if they, if people show up with an opposite point of view of like sharing yep. their authenticity, to be, um, be just executing something that's not the most perfect way, how would you respond to that? So... When it comes to the points of views, this is where the real persuasion comes into play, right? This is where, uh, like, if everybody just agreed with everybody all the time, we'd never have to persuade anybody, right? And so this is actually something that I talk about with people when they're like, oh, persuasion's evil and it's manipulative and it's sleazy. And it's like, no, it's not. It's It can be if, if that's your intention to use it. But there are a million other ways you could use it too. Like there are ways that you can use it to, have, to make people have breakthroughs to where they completely change a paradigm. They have a complete shift in the way that they were looking at something. And as a result, their entire life changes because of it. So that being said, sometimes I think we have to get, a, I'm a tactical strategic, I'm a tactical and a strategic thinker where I like to think of things in steps. And so if I had to break it down in steps, I would say, you know, the two things that you have to have with people in order to really um, change their mind is you have to have either A, some authority. You have to have some authority on a specific topic where you happen to just know more than them about that specific topic. And then you demonstrate that to them, right? Um, Like, for example, okay, I have a friend went to high school with great guy, love him to death. You know, we go out every once in a while for a couple of beers, have dinner. Um, and he's, he's like, a, he's a, he's a corporate guy. He's a social worker. He's went to school for like 10 years, um, to get his social worker license. And you know, that's what he does. The world of what I do is very unrealistic to him. So he'll tell me like, well, what do you do? Like, what's your business? Like what you teach people like sales techniques? Like they could go learn that in a book. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you could also learn to cook from a book. You could learn to do anything from a book. There's a book on just about anything out there. I said, so the value that I bring to the table is articulating it or demonstrating it or maybe making it easier for people to learn and understand than if they just sat down and read a book, right? So I was able to change his paradigm on that because I have more authority and more experience doing this than he does. He never saw it that way. He was just looking at it from like a very, like a very blank slate. The other thing that you need is rapport, right? Rapport is like money in the bank. The more rapport you have, the more persuasive you can be. And the reason for that is sometimes, sometimes you have to say stuff to people uh, to get them to have that shift that you normally wouldn't say to them if you didn't have a lot of rapport with them. So if you think about like the last time you got into like a heated debate with like your brother, your sister, your cousin, or like a really close friend, and you wanted to get something across to them, 
you might yell, you might, you might get passionate, you might say something that you wouldn't necessarily do with somebody that you don't know that well and that you're not that comfortable with. So the more rapport you have with somebody, you know, the better it is. So that's just from like a tactical point of view um, or strategic point of view, I should say. Tactically, you know, what I do is I really just try to understand, okay, this person has this opinion about this thing. What are they basing it on? Are they, mm. are they basing it on a prior experience? Are they basing it on, sometimes people formulate opinions on stuff that they never even experienced. It's somebody else that they know that experienced it. They're like, oh, I tried an online business. It doesn't work. You know, it's like, really, bro? You're going to let that guy, you're going to let somebody else control like your life? Like, you know, so that's the first thing I try to do. I try to figure out where did it come from? Um, and then look to the opposite side of that. Sometimes there are people that have had real experiences like themselves, negative experiences. And then, you know, I try to break down, well, where, where in the course did they do something that maybe they could have corrected, um, and, and try to show them how there can be a different outcome, if that makes sense. Absolutely, bro. And I think that it's, it's, you know, like you shared that element of being unique and adding value in a way that allows them to understand in a way that's um, unique to you and resonates with them. And that is something that, you know, I, I, I really feel strongly about is that, you know, we're all have this unique experience or brilliance. And although people can read something differently in a book, they can get it that it may not resonate the same way that we get to teach it. Or there might be a thousand other people that do the same thing that we do, but we resonate to the, the specific person that allows us. And that's where that element of abundance is. There's enough for all of us. There's enough for all of us to achieve success and manifest greatness and like do more and be more. like that is all possible because we're all different and we're all like and there's plenty for everyone. Um, and that's where I like, I really try to emphasize, not try, emphasize, um, because there's so many people out there, I believe, that compare themselves to others. And that element of comparing is not So, yeah, I love the share. Thank you, bro. It really, really means a lot. And and um you know i know we have a few minutes left to go how do people um you know how, how do individuals they want to know more about you paul um and want to know more information about influencer academy um how can they you know connect with you uh you can check out my youtube channel paul Massetta. we have i have over 100 videos on the youtube channel tons of free content you can check out there you could also go to influenceacademy.net and you can learn more about uh, what we offer over there. Like I said, various training programs ranging from storytelling to persuasive speaking to building a strategic alliance, negotiation. We pretty much have everything covered on there. And then um, I can also, if you want, I can hook your people up uh, maybe after this or whatever with a, a link where I can give them a free resource. Uh, the thing I usually like to give people is this thing called, it's an ebook. It's a very short ebook called The Six Persuasion Power Levers. These are the Beautiful. six things that I've discovered um, in my life uh, that I don't really see many other people talk about. Um, and they are the first one that I talked about awareness, like how aware you are of the context, environment, circumstance, when you communicate with somebody. Second is your authenticity. How real are you? 
how real are you being when you when you communicate with people but there's a caveat to that because you have to find the balance between your most authentic self and your most persuasive self. There are some people that are almost too, try to be too persuasive and they come off salesy and slimy. And some people that are almost too authentic in the wrong environment or context. And they're like, oh, well, that's just who I am. Like you don't show up at a job interview the same way you show up at a football game, right? Or at least you shouldn't, that's the point. So you have to find that balance of authenticity. Uh, the next one, which I mentioned, was authority, which this is a classic influence and persuasion 101. Robert Cialdini, by his book on influence, it was written almost 40 years ago. And the, one of the weapons of influence that he cites is authority, which tells us that we are more inclined to listen to and comply with people that we view as authorities, lawyers, doctors, police officers, whatever. If we feel someone's an authority, we'll trust them and we'll listen to them. Next is your aptitude. Um, how much do you know about a, a specific topic and how much do you know about how you're communicating with other people? So your, your authority in a weird way is your perceived aptitude on a specific thing. And then your aptitude is your like actual expertise and knowledge. And then the last uh, two are adaptive ability or adaptability. How good do you adapt during a communication with somebody? Like poor communicators cannot adapt. Well, if you say something to them that they that doesn't align with their beliefs, they shut you out, they get frustrated, they curse at you, they walk away. You have to be adaptive. You have to be able to look at, at, at the situation and go, okay, that person's coming from a different place. How can I um, how can I do a better job of, of getting through to them and instead of just like getting frustrated? What, what can I reframe? What can I rephrase? What can I change? And then the last one is your I use this word articulative ability. How good are you at actually articulating your message? Because you could have all that stuff, but if you don't know how to convey what's in here, how to demonstrate it, how to speak effectively, how to avoid use vocal fillers, teleseminars. I used to do teleseminars years ago. After a teleseminar, which I thought went really well, my buddy made a recording of like two minutes of me using vocal fillers. Um, uh, uh, it was like two minutes of me hearing that and I was like, holy shit, that's what I sounded like? Mm -hmm. You have to work to get rid of that stuff, right? So that yeah. you, you, your vocal pace and your tonality, it's like a rhythm. And so that's the stuff that I share in the Power Levers book. I think it's a great resource for people and I'm happy to hook them up with it if they want it. Absolutely. Can you share it um, so that they can uh, know where to go? And I'll put it into the into the show notes, brother. Yes, sure. Sure. What's absolutely. the what's what what what's the what's the link? If you don't mind, just www. I'm just gonna pull it up because I have so many of them. Oh, that, okay. Um, cool. No worries. There's so many different links because uh, <laughs> we offer so much stuff. But uh, let me just pull it up. Sure. Yeah, this will be great. Like, and, and Robert Cialdini has been such a, uh, for me, like I love his work too. Um, you know, he's been epic. So I think that this will be tremendous value to anybody that wants to go and make sure you guys go check it out because this will be an epic way for you to, you know, utilize some of these persuasive tactics that, um, that Paul has created and be able to inform yourself on ways that you can just become better and add more value to your brilliance. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. 
Want me to just pop it into the chat? Amazing. Hey, you can drop it in the chat, but you, you can just let us know real quick so so that on the recording. It's one of these. Okay, I see. But but I can Amazing. I can probably shorten it. Hold on one second. Uh, so so what I'll do what I'll do what I'll do, guys, for anybody that's listening right now, put, check out the show notes, and what we'll do is um, we'll put it influence master ever PDF ebook available for you that is a gift from Mr. Call. I'm going to give you the, so make sure you, you go with the second link here. I made it a lot cleaner. So it's just uh, go.influencemastery.com power levers dash free. Love it. Amazing brother. Dude. So um, before we finish, I have one last question to ask you. Sure. And the question is, if you had three days left to live, what would you do? It's a good question. I would, all the, is it one thing I would do in those three days? You, whatever you want. You could do three, three days left to live. What would you do like for those three days? Um, I would spend as much time with my wife and kids and I'd have to think about what I would do, but whatever I would do, it would, I would have to, it would have to involve making sure that my kids understand number one, how much I love them. And number two, that unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, death is a part of life. And like when I had my heart attack, the scariest thing for me wasn't so much dying. I mean, that's scary, but it was, what was sad to me was that like how sad my kids would be because my daughter's only 12 and we're very close, like how sad she would be and how that would affect her life. So I would want to just do whatever it takes to let her know that, yeah, you're going to have days where you're going to be sad and upset and blah, blah, blah. But like death is just a part of life and it's going to happen to everybody and don't let it hold you down and don't let something that happens in your life at, at, at a certain point in your life ruin or control um, the rest of your life. So I'd love to say like, I'd go to like a tropical Island or something like that, but I hate flying. And I'm like, if I had three days, I don't want to spend like, I don't know, 20 of those hours on a plane. So I would probably need more time to think about it, but, um, that's what I would want to achieve. I would want to achieve some sort of uh, closure with my children so that they understand that, you know, this is just part of life. Tomorrow's not promised and it could happen to anybody. I love it, bro. Brother, I appreciate your time. This was amazing. Thank you for dropping so much gifts uh, here for the audience. You you were dynamite. You were dynamite. I look forward to you know looking at your work and continuing to, to connect. I look forward to connect hopefully one day in person. And brother, um, do you have any last comments or concerns you want to share? Thank you for having me, man. It's always good to uh, you. You certainly pack a punch when it comes to energy, and that, I love that because sometimes I do interviews with people and it's like i got i'm i'm interviewing them uh and you you are uh i can feel your energy man coming through and I, it's it's definitely good so i appreciate that good stuff you got here appreciate you brother much love and we'll talk soon my friend got it